on SAFM. Let's welcome my guest, Caroline Skinner. Hello, Caroline. Thank you for staying on the line. Hello, everybody, and very um, a warm thanks for the opportunity. Well, I, 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 you know, I was going to put both of you on air, then I thought, no, you, you, you both have so much to say that I'd rather speak to each one of you separately. Now, now tell us a bit about women in informal employment, globalizing and organizing. So we're a, a global action policy research network, um, and as the name suggests, we aim to improve the status of the working poor, but obviously especially women uh, in the informal economy through systemic change. So we have three constituencies, organizations of informal workers, and you know, I think you've picked up very nicely on this. Uh, they're really a site for change, uh, mm-hmm. but also researchers and statisticians, which is the category I fall into, but, um, and, and in addition, development professionals. So currently we have members and activities um, in 72 different countries. We have a lovely kind of global reach, mm-hmm. uh, which does allow us to pick up on good practice happening elsewhere. Um, and in terms of how we do what we do, um, we, we focus on network, networking and capacity building of, of organizations of informal workers. So this, uh, what we call to increase voice, um, mm-hmm. but also the research and statistics on, on good practice documentation and other. I like this idea of the art of the possible. So, yeah. so where in the world are interesting, progressive things happening? Um, and this we refer to as increasing visibility. And then finally, that kind of policy analysis and dialogues, uh, which is increasing validity. So we, we you know, we focused in our South African work in, in part in, in, in Durban, um, but also elsewhere. And I think there's some very concerning developments in South Africa. So, so perhaps we could pick up on some of those. Before those concerns, what, is there, is there a, an ideal kind of model we can follow that exists around the world? You know, there's some very nice good practices. And certainly, you know, our, our former speaker was, was highlighting the case of Durban. Mm-hmm. Uh, Durban for a long time really did chart a, an interesting course uh, in integrating the informal economy into urban plans. Um, there are some lovely examples elsewhere um, of other worker groups, so uh, waste pickers, for example, who play a very important role um, in uh, climate change mitigation. So, mm-hmm. you know, the alternative in, is incineration, which is very problematic in terms of how CO2 emissions, mm-hmm. whereas, uh, you know, integrating waste pickers into municipal waste management is a very people-centered approach, um, but it's also very good for the environment. So there's lovely examples of integrating these workers into municipal waste management, for example, in mm-hmm. Belo Horizonte in Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, in Pune in India. And um, so there are some, some examples that we can look to. Sadly, I have to say the international trends are in, in the reverse. Uh, so, for example, as an organization, we track trends very closely. Mm. Um, and on the street vending front, which has been a big focus of our discussions today, on average, there's one violent eviction of street vendors somewhere on the globe every day. Um, so there are kind of wide-scale exclusionary trends. Um, they tend to be exacerbated when we host mega events. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're tracking quite closely what's happening in Brazil, um, but there tends to be a, a, a greater um, focus on, on hiding away poorer people's uh, uh, both economic activities but also dwellings. 
uh, if it was the Commonwealth Games in, in, in Delhi or, or the World Cup, both in South Africa and, and Brazil. Mm. And with you, we're not only talking just street traders now. It, it's larger than that. It's, it's the whole informal employment. But, and you've just spoken about waste pickers and, and, and all of that. How wide is it? So interesting. I mean, you, you know, this, this discussion couldn't have been better timed with um, the recent release at 11.30 this morning mm. of the, the latest rounds of, of Statiste figures. Our figures are, are seen to be quite good figures, um, and, and I think there's some concerning trends uh, with respect to, 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 to the, the, the breakdown between men and women. Mm. So, you know, you highlighted that there's, you know, 5,000 unemployed people. What's, what's notable about these recent... Five million. I mean, five million, sorry. Mm-hmm. What's notable about these recent statistics is actually that there's been a decrease in, in employment in the informal sector. So 110,000 110, jobs have been lost in the informal sector mm. uh, just in, in, in one quarter. Um, so the abiding question in, in, in the informal sector arena, particularly in South Africa, is what are the barriers to entry? Why are more, more people not wo- working in the informal economy? Mm. So there's also quite concerning trends in the, in the, 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 the gender breakdown. Um, where increasingly, and certainly, you know, when it comes to street vending, there is a predominance of women. But in the informal sector more generally, uh, the proportion of women is decreasing. So over a five-year period, uh, in the quarterly labor force survey statistics, it's, uh, their proportion has gone down from 44% to 40%. Um, so, so women are finding out, are opting out of the informal sector. Um, and just to say, you know, in the what? big picture, 16% mm-hmm. of our, of those people who are, who are reporting, uh, who are, who are recording that they're working are working in the informal sector. So if you compare, for example, you know, Zambia or, or Tanzania, so, it, you know, countries, our close neighbors, it's, it's, uh, 65 and 52 percent, uh, respectively. Mm-hmm. So there's a real curiosity about what's going on in our informal sector. Well, is it, is it, is it, I, I suppose then the policies and, and the bylaws and all of those kinds of things are the ones that are kind of gatekeeping, yeah. um, entry into, in, into the informal sector. And of, and of course, the, the, there's a status thing about it, isn't there? So I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, we've done a, um, Durban was part of a five, a Penn City study, uh, which was monitoring trends over time in the informal sector. Um, so we have fairly recent data on Durban street vendors particularly. We also looked at waste pickers. And, and one of the predominant findings from, from that was that people were reporting high levels of harassment. Mm. Um, and this is not just inner city street traders, but street traders across the city. Mm. Um, you know, on one end of the spectrum, quite concerning cases of, of sexual harassment and rape. Um, and, you know, and, and, and more petty examples of being bribed and, and confiscation of goods is absolutely devastating for people. So there's a, there's a broad systemic issues, you know, where, where at national level we, we need to look at, at legislative reform. It is a local government competency, but, but national government does have an oversight role. Mm-hmm. And so we're all very excited a few months back when the business licensing bill um, kind of hit the press and the DTI had developed this fairly on the quiet it replaces the key piece of national legislation, which is the 1991 Businesses Act. But, in fact, that draft legislation would be deeply problematic. 
Um, it insists that everyone in the informal sector um, is registered or licensed, um, and the sanctions for not doing so and, and for any violations are very harsh. So you can get a, a, a prison term of up to 10 years sure. in the draft legislation. So there's a key conceptual issue here about moving the way in which these activities are administered from criminal to administrative law. And I think at, at heart it's about seeing this as a core component of the economy, which it often isn't. So it often, you know, just that, that sanction to me is very symbolic of saying these are not business activities. Mm. Um, there's a lovely lawyer who works on these issues who is saying, you know, there's a comparison of when you, you, uh, c- you commit a traffic offense that you'll, your car would then be confiscated. You know, why are we doing that to people who are trying to get by? And particularly, it's a, you know, it's a large group of, of women. Um, now, I, I, you know, I hear a lot of discussion and debate has been ongoing about whether, you know, the informal economy and its role in economic development is, is, is recognized or not recognized. But these conversations are happening on, at a very high level scale, you know, academic and, and, all of that, you know, legal even. But what, how does it trickle down? How can we influence? And when I say we, I, I speak representing the people that are affected um, to understand or help people understand better, and, you know, because it's taking too long. Yes, no, 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 it is. And certainly our analysis suggests that the informal sector has often fallen between the policy gaps. Um, I mean, one of the places I would look uh, are the existing support services. So they are, through the Department of Trade and Industry and also supported at provincial level, they're a network of local business service centers. So what our survey material is showing is that very um, informal sector workers, so both traders but also your construction workers, your waste Mm. pickers, all of that huge variety of people are very seldom walking through the door of local business service centers. And at the same time, they are reporting that they want these services. So there's something about the way in which we're delivering these services. Um, I like the example for, uh, of training. So people are saying we really want some business skills, mm-hmm. basic kind of techniques of understanding profit and loss, etc. cetera. Um, so there's some, there's some great, um, training that's available, kind of grow and improve your business, uh, informed by international labor organization materials, uh, but all of them require full-time participation. So they're five-day courses uh, that are in you know, consecutive days. Now, I can tell you nobody in the informal sector, other than your better-off operators, your small minority of people who are doing quite well, would be able to, to forego the income that a five-day course would entail. Mm. So, you know, I think there's something important about saying there are some positive developments, there's some, some institutional structures out there, but it's about us looking at the way in which we, we deliver those services. You know, could the local business service centers, for example, have mobile units that go out to where people work? Mm. Uh, it's those kinds of things we need to look at. And then, I mean, in addition, and as a final point, I think that, you know, the informal sector is a very lumpy notion. There's a lot of different activities that are going on, um, and each of them fit in very different value chains. Mm -hmm. So it's partly, as we do with the formal economy, having quite a savvy analysis of of what's happening in those economic segments. 
and intervening in ways that um, that will shift things to make livelihoods more secure. Do you think most informal um, informal workers uh, just are trying to avoid taxation and all of those kinds of things? Is there that sort of thought process that goes on? So it's interesting. I mean, again, our, our, our stats are quite useful on this. Most people are earning below the tax threshold. So, mm-hmm. in fact, they, they wouldn't, even if they were um, in the tax net, they wouldn't have to pay. My sense, having done research in this area and advocacy for some time, is that people want the security that being recognized um, gives you. So they actually want permits, they want to pay, they're happy to pay, mm-hmm. as long as it, it gives you security of tenure. Um, and, you know, they're like any other operators. They need, um, to, you know, uh, to, to, to warrant the risk that investing uh, the, in, in their business entails. They have to have security. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shadow, the other thing that I'm quite concerned about is trends at, at, at local level. I mean, you know, this came up as a... Um, a very critical issue when with Operation Clean Sweep uh, in the inner city of Johannesburg at the end of last year. You know, just as the Christmas season hit, it's a lovely, lucrative time for for traders, um, and they were they were removed. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the Constitutional Court has has um, said that this was actually an uh, uh, inappropriate uh, and quite firmly worded inappropriate thing to do. So there are concerns at city level that, in fact, yeah, that people are being dealt with particularly harshly. And I think we need to, to really concentrate on that and see how we can shift um, almost the way in which local authorities um, see this segment of the economy. It needs to be seen as a series of economic activities that are making an important economic contribution. Whose door do we knock at? Uh, <laughs> many doors. Because, uh, no, but, but that's the thing. We've got to start somewhere, Caroline, because, you know, it, we'll have this conversation and two weeks later it's gone, dusted, you know, and then we have to revisit again. And I think we need tools here. We understand the history. We understand the debates that are currently being held. We understand that something needs to be done. Who does it? How do we engage we go? And what's your role in it? How do we engage Dr. Sukwanandulo and what's her role in it? And how do we just move this thing forward? So you've given me a difficult set of questions. They're absolutely spot on, though. I mean, local authorities have a particularly important role to play. Um, so I think that it is about raising the profile of these issues. I think what we're doing at the moment, the mm-hmm. fact that you have chosen at this pertinent moment uh, to, to focus on, on the informal sector, and particularly women within it, uh, mm. is absolutely critical. So local authorities are, are, are key. Um, pro- the province plays an important role. And then, you know, it's the support agencies. So, you know, your Department of Trade and Industry, your Department of Labor. And there are positive um, developments um, at all levels. So I think it's, it's bolstering those officials with information, uh, with, with practical tools, um, to, to, to really shift the approach. Um, so I think it's constantly keeping it on the agenda. I think at the same time, there's something very important about supporting the organizations mm. and formal workers that are out there. Mm. Mm. So, so this isn't going to happen without, um, without them voicing their own concerns because mm. they are quite context-specific. 
And on that front, you know, at a national level, there are very positive developments with Kasati taking this on. Uh, so there's now a dedicated group within Kasati that focuses on vulnerable workers. Um, and we need the formal union movement to, to, to take this issue up. These are, these are workers, and they're a very big group of workers. We're talking about 2.3 million workers in South Africa, even though it's a smaller proportion than other countries of the South. So oh. those are the places to, to, to look uh, but we need to keep the profile of this, wor- this group of workers up. How do we engage WeGo? Well, <laughs> WeGo, um, I mean, we, we are tracking these issues very closely. There's lovely project-level work. So, for, for example, within our social protection program, uh, there's, there's work happening in inner-city Durban looking at the health and, health and occupational safety issues for informal workers. So there's, you know, project-level stuff. We... I'm actually analyzing some of the quarterly labor force survey um, statistics and, and hopefully, you know, you've given me the space to profile some of the, the, the worrying gender trends. Mm-hmm. Um, so on multiple levels. And then, you know, we're also engaging at an international level. So um, there's a very key set of international debates uh, happening at, in June in Geneva so every year, the International Labour Organization has an annual meeting, and this one is focusing on formalizing the informal economy. Why these meetings are so critical is that they are um, standard-setting um, conferences. Mm-hmm. The, rec- the recommendations have a status in the world. And what WeGo has been doing is, is gathering together um, organizations of informal workers in the three major continents. Uh, we, had a, we had a meeting at Kasati House a few weeks back, um, and that's to really work through what uh, worker-based movements' positions should be on this very critical mm. debate. Mm. So now we have a, a consensus document, which is available on our website. Uh, give us that, actually. Give us that website. So it's www.wiego.org. Mm. A nice, easy one. And Fantastic. for those of uh, for those listeners who are interested in, in urban issues, we've got a, um, another website that focuses particularly on our urban work, which is www.inclusivecities.org. Inclusive City. And that's got lovely examples of good practice documentation and some of the city-level stats where they're available. Um, so, so, yes, kind of engaging with those big debates okay. is, is, is part of the focus. Caroline, I, I so thank you for your time and your in-